This is a bonus message in a series of media resources accompanying the Starting Point Conversation Guide. How Good is Good Enough is a message delivered at North Point Community Church by Andy Stanley. Good people go to heaven, right? Why do Christians think their way is the only way? If God is a God of love, shouldn't he be a fair God? Why was Jesus so important? In this message, Andy addresses these questions and explains why our goodness isn't good enough. I have a friend that I, I, is a new friend actually, somebody introduced him to me and he wanted to talk to somebody about his questions. He had some questions about Christianity and so I said I'd be happy to meet with him. And so we sat down, this fellow would not consider himself a Christian, um, but he has some great questions and he, he's, he's looking and thinking and searching and he's looking at a lot of different religions and he wanted to talk to someone he felt like was somewhat of a professional about Christianity. This is a couple of weeks ago. So we had a great lunch, great questions, and he said to me something that I hear pretty often um, when I find myself in those environments. He said, you know, I don't have anything against Christianity. He said, my problem, my question is this. Surely there is more than one way to get to heaven. I mean, I, I, it's not that there's anything wrong with your system, but there's got to be other systems. There, there have to be other ways um, to get to heaven. And I can appreciate that. In fact, it, it would, logically, it would make sense. There must be, if there's a God who's big enough to create the sun, the moon, the stars, and, you know, the universe, surely he didn't limit access to him through one door. And so it was a fair question, and so we talked about it for a few minutes. And I hear that pretty often. In fact, some of you this morning would say that. You'd say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe that Christianity is the only way. There's got to be other ways. Today, I want to talk about a premise or an assumption that supports the idea that there are many ways to get to heaven. Because most of the people that you know, and some of you this morning would say, I believe there are many avenues to heaven. And I have found, both in personal experience and in doing a lot of reading, that most people, in fact, probably everybody who believes there are multiple paths to heaven also believes something else. Today, I want to talk about the something else. Because the question of why could there, you know, is it possible that there's only one path to heaven is supported by this premise. So I want to talk about the premise that I'm going to come back in a few weeks and I'm going to address this whole subject of, you know, how in the world do we get off believing there's only one way to heaven. The idea that supports the notion that there are many paths to heaven is this, that good people... Go to heaven. Good people go to heaven. That is, not only Christians go to heaven, but good Christians. Not only Jewish people go to heaven, but good Jewish people. Not only Catholics, but, you know, good Catholics, good Buddhists, you know, good this, good that, you know, Presbyterians. But, you know, just pick any group. It's not any one group that's going to get there. It's that the good people from all those groups are going to get there. In fact, um, the per a person that believes that there are many roads to heaven believes there are people who probably aren't associated with any church or any one belief system, but they're good people. And the common denominator, and this is key, the common denominator between Christians and Buddhists and Hindus and Catholics and Protestants, and you know, you just pick the group, the common denominator is not a belief system. The common denominator is not an identity of who their God is. The common denominator is not how they pray. The common denominator is not how they worship. Well, what's the common denominator? The common denominator is they're good people. So consequently, God isn't limited to one specific avenue through one specific religion. He's just sort of going to gather up all the good, qualified people from all the religions, and they're all going to make it. So Christianity is an avenue if you're a good Christian, if you're a good this, if you're a good that. Now, many of you believe that this morning. In fact, some of you who would say, I'm a Christian, believe that. I, if I were to say to you, well, why, would, why in the world would God let you into heaven? You, you would answer this way. You'd say, well, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus. And then you would add to it. You would say, and I do my best and I'm trying hard and I'm a good dad and I've never hurt anybody. And, you know, I know I'm not perfect. We all say, well, I'm not perfect. Like, we need to say that. Oh, thanks for sure. I, I thought you were perfect. Okay. I mean, 
I'll erase that from, you know, I, you know, isn't it funny how we all say that? Like somebody's going to be surprised, you know, just assume everybody, knows, in fact, the people closest to you, they know that, you know, they could say it for you, well, she's not perfect, you know. But we, we say that, we, we say, I'm not perfect, but then we start, and I, and I promised, and I did, and I told God, and back when I, you know, and, and, and you know what, you're here today, and you believe in God, and Jesus, and the whole deal, but if I were to ask you, why are you going to heaven, you'd tell me about some good things you've done. You know why? Because in your heart of hearts, like most people in our society, you believe that God's going to gather up all the good people from all the different religions and denominations and the whole nine yards. The other reason, just experientially, I, I believe that most people think the good folks are going to make it is because I have a hard time engaging anyone in a serious conversation about heaven. Now, as a preacher, you know, when, you, when you, people find out you're a preacher, they assume you can't talk about anything else other than church and God. So, no matter what their background is, when you, they find out you're a preacher, they start, you know, you can just see the wheels turning, okay? He probably doesn't know anything about sports or politics or anything relevant to my... So, they, there's, you know, well, I, I lived close to a church once. You know, they try to... They, they, they want to get on that path. They just feel like they've got... So, consequently... I've had the opportunity to have some unusual conversations. People just bring it up around me when they find out what I do. And so, but I have a hard time engaging anybody in a serious conversation about heaven. And here's sort of the, the take. It's like, well, whatever. I mean, wait a minute. You, you know, you believe, I, I think, you know, if there's a heaven, I'm probably going there. Well, well, tell me how. Well, it's just sort of this general, you know, let's, let's talk about something else. The assumption is this is what they believe without saying it. You know, if anybody's going to make it, I'm going to make it. Whatever the qualifications are, I'm sure I'm at least average. You know, there are people worse than me. There are people better than me. And generally, the assumption is good people are going to go to heaven. Not just Christians, not just Jews, not just Catholics, not just Hindu, you know, not just any one group. God's going to gather some of all of them because good people go to heaven. Now, I'll tell you what. There's something very appealing about the notion of good people going to heaven, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm good. <laughs> Do you know why you like that way of thinking? Because you're good, aren't you? Any bad people here? We don't, you know, it's, it's hard. Now, come on. It is hard. I've never had anybody admit. I believe there's a heaven. I believe good people are going there. I'm not one of them. I've never heard anybody admit that. About, uh, I guess a year ago, Time Magazine came out with these statistics about what people believe. And I think it was like 90% or 87% of Americans believe there's a heaven. And almost the same percentage believe they were going there. Because, well, we just are. Because it's sort of a good, you know, there's God's, you know, good people are going. Now... There's some merit to this, this argument or this philosophy. I want to throw four things up on the screen. Here, here's why it's good or here's why it's helpful to believe um, that good people go to heaven. Number one, it's a fair system, isn't it? It's just fair. Because, you know, in my household, good things happen to the good people. And when my kids are bad, bad things happen. In our society, good things happen to the good people. In society, bad things happen to the bad people. Um, you, you, it's just sort of inherent that good things should happen to good people, bad things should happen to bad people. It just kind of goes that way. So it seems like a fair system, and it, it's certainly consistent with what the, the Bible seems to indicate. You read the stories in the Bible, and good things were happening to good people, bad things were happening to bad people, especially in the Old Testament. The other advantage of thinking this way, number two, is that you'll make the cut. Like I said, you're a good person. So one of the advantages to believing good people go to heaven is you'll go to heaven because, again... You're a good person. The third, the third advantage is it sort of motivates you to be good, doesn't it? I mean, if you live your life thinking the good people make it, the bad people don't, well, you know, I'm not sure what good is, but I, you know, I'm going to, you know, that's sort of motivating, especially as you get closer to the end of your life. You know, you think, I don't have much time. I need to bone up and all the good stuff and make sure, you know, the scale, however that works. So it, it's motivating. And, and then the last thing is it's very consistent with the idea of a good God, right? I mean, if there's a good God who lives in a good heaven, it should be filled with good people. It just makes sense that good people would go to be with a good God 
and a good heaven. And again, we could go around the room and we could come up with dozens of other reasons why the good people go to heaven. Philosophy, seems, it just seems logical and practical. It's easy to buy into. It just makes common sense. I think it makes so much common sense that very few people have really explored the concept. Again, and they may be out there. I've just never met anybody who's done any more thinking about it than just on the surface. That, well, it just just makes sense. It's good enough for me. Hey, go Braves. Let's change change the subject. So this morning, as an attempt to approach, you know, pretty soon this issue of, you know, how could there possibly be one way, I want to talk about the problems with the good people go to heaven view. And what I want to try to convince you of this morning, now listen carefully, I'm not going to try to convince you that Christianity is right. That's not my point. I just want to convince you that there are major problems with believing that good people go to heaven. Because chances are many of you this morning believe that. Some of you, are, you would call yourself a Christian, you believe that. Some of you, you know, you're going to buy this tape and give it to somebody because they believe that. All I want to do is to get you to think about the fact that there are far more problems with believing that good people go to heaven than there are believing that Christians go to heaven. Let me give you three problems with that way of thinking. Number one, this is the biggest one. Number one, there is no clear standard, as I wrote it up here, there's no clear standard of good and bad by which we can check our progress. Now, this is a big, 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 big deal. There's no clear standard of good and bad by which we can check our progress. That is, if good people go to heaven, then we need to know what it means to be good. And we need to know how good is good enough. And we need to know if it's a scale thing or if it's a, you know, however that works. And again, we don't know. No one, God, whoever he is or she is or it is, that God up there who's one day going to say, you're good, you're in, owes it to us to give us some idea of what good is, right? I mean, if that's the way it works and if my eternity hinges on that, certainly this person who's a good God and a good heaven who's going to gather all the good people ought to be good enough to make it clear to me and clear to you what is good and how good is good enough. And the truth is, we don't have that information. Now... In America, in America, what people want to do is they want to get their Bibles out. And they say, well, I can tell you how good you have to be because the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself and love the Lord your God and be kind and be obedient. Andy, I'm trying to be a good person. I'm trying to live my life by the good book. You know, I I think this is a good book from a good God and a good heaven for good people. And I'm just trying to do everything I can to live according to what the Bible says because surely, you know, the Bible is all from God or partly from God. And I figure if this is the target and I shoot for this... That ought to be good enough. Now listen very carefully to what I'm going to say, because I'm going to burst your bubble, okay? If this is your goal, you'll never be this good. If the people that do all of this go to heaven, ain't none of us going to heaven. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, but there's something in you because you were raised in America where, you know, you have a lot of respect for this book and you're not sure you believe all of it. But, you know, there's something in you that says there's something good in here and I'm just sort of shooting for this and I'm not perfect. You know, once again, thank you. I'm not perfect, but I'm doing a good job to try to keep, you know, the laws or the Ten Commandments or whatever it is. Now, let me tell you real quickly what the Bible says about itself. We're going to throw four verses up here. Here's the problem with using the Bible. Here's what the Bible says. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means everybody tried, nobody made it. Second one. There's not one righteous, not even one. The Bible says there are no good people. You say, but it tells me what to do to try to be good. No, no, no. The Bible has some things you ought to try to do. But at the end of the day, after you've done all you can do and failed where you failed, at the end of the day, the Bible itself says nobody's any good. That there aren't any good people. Now, I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying that's what the Bible says is true. Third one. Look at this one. 
Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight, God's sight, by observing the law. Now, don't miss that. Look, what this is what the Bible says. No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. That is, when you die, according to the Bible, God's not going to look at anybody and say, you did such a good job keeping the law, you're in. The Bible says that's never going to happen. That nobody is righteous enough according to the law. Look at the rest. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. The Bible teaches that the reason God gave the law wasn't to give you something to keep so you could go to heaven. The Bible says the reason God gave the law is so you'll go, Ooh, I'm really bad, aren't I? Now, I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying that's what the Bible says. And here's why this is important. Because many of you, because we're, you know, born in America and some of us raised in the Bible Belt, there's just something we've never thought about it, we've never analyzed it, we've never thought it through. There's just something in your conscience that says, this is a good book and God is a good God and He lives in a good heaven and I'm just going to do my best to kind of do basically what the Bible says and then God's going to say, hey, you know, you've got at least a 51% credit, you know, so, so you get in the scale tipped to the good side instead of the bad side and so you're in. I just want you to know this and you can read it for yourself. If this is your standard... If this is what you're looking for to find the difference between good and bad, if this is the road map you have been using or assuming that you're using, or you don't even know the Bible, but you know a little verse from here, and doesn't the Bible say this, and doesn't the Bible say that, and you, you've just sort of put together your own little formula of what's good, I'm telling you, don't use this because you're not this good. If this is the standard, there are no good people. This standard is way, way, way too high. That's all I'm saying. When I lived in Dallas, there was a lady who ran the dry cleaner where I used to go when I was in school, in graduate school. And um, she knew I was, uh, you know, studying theology, so we would get in these conversations. And she would tell me, I, I mean, we had every conversation, every, you know, every, we talked about everything. At the end of every conversation, she would say, I believe in the Ten Commandments, and I keep the Ten Commandments. And in her mind, if she could keep the Ten Commandments, she knew she was going to heaven when she died. Well, you know, probably a lot of people think that. So, do you know what I did? I got my little Bible concordance. I have this computer program. You, every, you can get one of these where you can just put in any word in the Bible and you can do all these searches. It's wonderful. Here's what I found out. The word heaven does not even appear one time in any of the books where the Ten Commandments are referred to. The book of Exodus where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, there's nothing in there about going to heaven. There's nothing in there about eternity. There's nothing in there about life after death. There's nothing about being with God after you die. Nothing that has anything to do with life after death, being with God, going to heaven. There's not, it's not even mentioned in the books where God gives the law. Here's why. Just, this is just the Bible. There is no relationship in the Bible between the law and where you spend eternity. Not one. There is no verse that says, and if you keep these Ten Commandments... You know, you'll make it. It's not in there. There's no verse that says, and if you're faithful to try to keep and do your best to keep these Ten Commandments, you'll go to heaven. It's not even implied. It's just not there. If you're here this morning, and somewhere in the back of your mind, you've always believed or assumed good people make it and bad people don't, go ahead and believe that. I'm not saying you shouldn't believe it. All I'm saying is this. Whatever part of this book you have factored into your belief system, take it out. Because this standard is too high. Not only are you not perfect, you're not even this good. And if you're trying to factor this book into your standard of I'm doing my best, it just doesn't fit. It just doesn't fit. Now, some people say, well, I'll tell you where I get my standard of right and wrong and good people go to heaven. And I think God has put in all of us some sort of innate sense of 
good and bad. We all know right from wrong. Andy, you know right from wrong, and I know right from wrong. And we are all supposed to do our best to just do what we know is right. And if everybody will just do right and just do what's good according to that innate, inerrant you know, sense of whatever right and wrong is in all of us, that's what God's going to look at. He's going to look at our motives and you know, what we believe is right. And did you do what you knew was right? Maybe. Just something to think about. Did you know major wars have been fought over what two different groups thought were right? You know that. And at any point, you could go to side A and say, you know, why are you... Well, we're right. In fact, we got God on our side. You go to the other side and say, well, we have God on our side. And say, poor God, you know, he's schizophrenic. He can't decide whose side he's on, you know. (laughs) Hey, think about this, a little closer to home. Not too many years ago in this country, some of us white people, some of us white church people, we had major, major, major confused thinking about black people, didn't we? And you know something? If you'd gone to any of those leaders, white leaders back then, and said, why are you doing this? Why are you treating... It's right. They believed they were right. Now, we look back and say, not only were they wrong, we're embarrassed to even be associated with them. We can't believe people treated other people that way. But in the moment, at the time, they believed they were right, and they were, they were quoting Scripture, and they're praying God around behind them. They were convinced they were right. Were they right? Well, I don't think so. You don't think so. But they thought so. They were sincerely going by that internal clock that said, this is right and this is wrong. Nazi Germany, same thing. You know, religious people persecuting Jews, and they were convinced they were right. Well, I think they were wrong, but who am I to say, right? I mean, I think they were wrong, they think they were right. But how do we know? You say, well, it's obvious it wasn't obvious to them. In fact, some of them died for those beliefs. What about, you know, a couple hundred years ago, we came in here, you know, you know, Anglo-Saxons and chased all the Indians off their land. We were here for religious freedom, except you can't be free, you know, get out, you know, we want your land. It's horribly embarrassing. But you know what? They thought they were right. The Indians thought they were right. We look, you know, see, right, if, if I'm going to go by this internal little clock, this internal gauge of right and wrong, here's the problem. It changes as I get older. Isn't it true that as you get older, things are now wrong that you thought were right when you were younger? And as you get older, things that you thought were wrong when you were young, now you think they're right? And you can go to different societies in this world and you couldn't get on the same page in ten areas of morality because what you think is different than what they think. It's unbelievable. So the problem is this. Even if we all go by our little internal clock, our internal gaze that tells us right from wrong, there is so much contradiction, there is no consensus. There's not even consensus in this room, much less between races, much less between nations. Right now, you, you look on the news and reading the newspaper about the ethnic cleansing happening in this world. And if you were to talk to the people who are doing all those evil atrocities, many of them have religious reasons for what they're doing and they think they're dead right and they're willing to die for it. They are convinced they're right, we're convinced they're wrong. How do we know? See, the problem is, if good people go to heaven, here's the big problem. We have no earthly idea what's good. And you can't drag this into the equation. Just take this out of your thinking. This doesn't fit. And if we're left to what people have written, how do we know? And some people write this, and some other body writes that. The fact is, okay, you just, I'm not arguing that Christianity is right. I just want you to think. If good people go to heaven, whoever that good person, he, she, or it up there who created this whole thing, they owe it to us to tell us what's good, and they owe it to us to tell everybody in the world, all at the same time, every generation, generation after generation, what is good so that everybody can know. See, one of the problems you have with Christianity is you think it's not fair because everybody doesn't get to hear. Well, I want you to know, if you believe good people go to heaven, you have the same problem. Because where's your God? And why hasn't he or she or it communicated to the whole world every generation for all time? Here's the standard. Here's what you have to do to make it. It's a mystery. It gets worse than that. There's, a, there's, a, there's another problem with the good people go to heaven strategy, and that's that we, we don't know how the whole thing grades out. In other words, we don't know what percentage of our actions have to be good to make the cut. Is it 50%? Is 
70%? Maybe that's where we got the school grading system. There's something in us that's from God. It's got to be 70%. And that's where that came from. You know what? If I ask everybody in here what they thought, everybody has an opinion, but you don't know. Just your opinion. I don't know. I mean, is it 51%? Is it 70%? Hey, do some things weigh in more than others? I don't know. You know, we're quick to say, well, I never killed anybody. Well, how do you know that's the big one? I mean, God may... You don't know. You say, well, the Bible... Uh-uh-uh. Not about the Bible. Whole different system. Doesn't fit. You know something? When does it start? When you're six? Seven? We're all going way past adolescence, okay? I'm sure adolescence does not weigh in on the good... You know, how, many, how good is good enough, right? But how do we know? Is it 14 or 15? Or when does it start? Some of you are in big trouble. You know why? You've done so many bad things, you don't have enough time left to do good things that outweigh. It's over, okay? You can do good things from here on out, and you've got so many... You, you, you can't ever get back in sync with God. He said, Andy, that is silly. It's silly, but I just want you to think. If you're honest, come on, if you're honest, if you believe good people go to heaven, you have no earthly idea where you stand with God. You've made up a system in your mind. Here's what's important to God, and here's what's not. And if I were to say to you, how do you know that's important to God? Well, I just, it just is. I create reality in my mind, and I apply it to God. And I say, God, since it works for me, I'm sure it works for you. That's all you've done, isn't it? As much as you might think Christianity is unjust and unfair, do you know what the good people go to heaven systems like? Here's what it's like. It's like a teacher who at the beginning of the semester says, Class, there's going to be one test. It's at the end of the semester. It's pass-fail. You're dismissed. <laughs> yes, you in the back. Uh, you got notes? No notes. Anything we can read? Nope. Uh, anybody gone before us so we can talk to? Nope. You mean you're going to give us a test over material you never covered, never made clear to us? Yep. Class dismissed. It'd be like going to work for somebody and they say, and, you know, you, you've got the job in three months, we're going to do an evaluation. If you do good on the evaluation, you keep the job. If you don't do good on the job evaluation, you lose your job. And you say, well, could I get a job description? No. Nope. What am I going to be evaluated on? Not going to tell you. It'd be like signing up for a race and getting to the race and there's the starting line. The starting line is clear and you line up and you realize, wait a minute, how, how far are we going to run? Nobody knows. I don't even, see, I don't even know, is the, is the track marked out for us? No. Where's the finish line? We'll tell you when you cross it. And the gun fires. Everybody just runs around, scatters. I just want you to think, that's the situation if good people go to heaven. Because you have no idea what's good. You have no idea where you are in the race. You don't know how much time you have left over. You don't know how the good have outweighed the bad. I mean, you have some idea that you've made up, but, but, but you made it up. You are hinging your entire eternity on something you made up. You, you're just not that smart. Neither am I. And you know what we've done? Come on. The habits and the sins that I don't wrestle with, I'm sure God really thinks they're bad. The things that I struggle with, he understands. Isn't that how it is? I mean, the things that aren't even a temptation to me, oh, I bet God hates those folks. Woo, look, I don't do any of that. Of course, it's not even a temptation. Now, the things that I wrestle with and I'm trying to get over and I've got habits, we're just sure that God says, well, you know, it's a, it's a struggle. See, we make all this up. I'm just telling you. As many problems as you may have with Christianity being an unjust system, I just want you to know, the problems with believing that good people go to heaven are far, far, far more complex you see, a teacher that won't tell you what's going to be on the class and the, the test, that's not a good teacher. That's not a just teacher. An employer that won't tell you what you're going to be evaluated according to, that's not a just good employer. 
Somebody that puts together a race where there's no clear finish line and no clear map marked out, that's not a fair race. And to believe that good people go to heaven is to embrace a system that is so unjust and unfair that it breaks down with even the least little bit of analysis. I know Christianity is tough at times. I know there's some questions that are hard to answer. But there are answers. If good people go to heaven, we are all in a world of trouble because none of us know where we stand. And don't you dare open the Bible or you're in worse trouble because the Bible says nobody's this good. Now, here's the third and probably the biggest problem with the good people go to heaven strategy. If good people go to heaven, Jesus lied. You know what Jesus taught? He taught the opposite. No one, no religious leader has ever taught this. Jesus taught bad people go to heaven, good people don't. That's what Jesus taught. Back then, you've heard us talk about this. There's this whole group of religious leaders and their job, their job description was be good. That's what it said on their application. You're to be good. That's all they did. They, they washed a certain way and they wore certain clothes and they had to do certain things on different days. Their entire life was consumed with just be good, be good. The Pharisees and the Sadducees. And the reason they had to be so good is because Jewish law taught that one day the Messiah was going to come and this group of people's responsibility was to identify who the Messiah was. So they had to stay very much in sync with God so that they would be able to identify for the people the Messiah. So they were very holy and very religious. And I mean, they just were Holy, holy, holy. So they were so good. And Jesus came along and he said, you see those folks over there? Yeah, those are the holy good people. He says, yeah, let me tell you, unless your goodness exceeds theirs, you're not going to heaven. But Jesus, they're the goodest people there are. Nobody's gooder than them. (laughs) Jesus says, well, that may be true. But unless your goodness, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. (laughs) Well, the common person like us just gave up. Well, what's the point? I mean, the common person didn't have time, didn't have enough time to be that good. Their job descriptions would not allow them to be that good. I mean, it was over. And then Jesus did the, the strangest thing, as we talked about last week. Then he would walk up to unholy, unrighteous, bad people and say, You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. But I didn't do any. That's okay. You're forgiven. But I haven't been to the temple in months. Forgiven. He taught that the best of the best weren't making it. And the worst of the worst were forgiven. Do you know what Jesus believed? I'm not saying this is true. I'm just telling you what Jesus taught. Jesus didn't believe good people went to heaven. Jesus taught that forgiven people go to heaven. There's a huge, huge difference. Luke 23. If there's anything in you that believes the Bible somehow teaches that good people make it, this story, this story ought, to, ought to just put that whole theory to rest. Luke 23, verse 32. This is the crucifixion of Christ. Two other men, both... What does your Bible read there? Criminals. This little Greek word for criminal is used in other Greek literature, not Bible literature, but other Greek literature of the same day to refer to pirates. These weren't just criminals that were being crucified. These were men who were so out of control, they couldn't even be trusted to row a Roman galley. They, they couldn't even be trusted to be chained ankle to ankle and row a ship. They, they, they couldn't even be made to be made slaves. These were men whose lives were so reprobate that there was no hope for using them for anything. They couldn't even be used for manual labor. These weren't just your basic thieves. These men were the worst of the worst. The exception would be sometimes Rome would crucify, just to make an example of somebody, uh, somebody who had been an enemy of the state. Now listen to what happened. Both criminals were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him along with the other the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, get this, look at this, Father, help them to do better. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. 
And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And the people stood watching. And the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written a notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. Look at this. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. And apparently, we know from Matthew, the other criminal hurled similar insults at the beginning. Look what happens. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our, what? Our deeds deserve. Do you know what this guy recognized? He recognized that even in a human court of law, he was being punished justly. In other words, he's saying, even by human standards, I am such a wretched person, I deserve to die this kind of death. Not by God's standards, just human standards. I'm so bad. But this man has done nothing wrong, verse 42. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, too bad, so sad, your dad. And Jesus answered him, I'm sorry, you, you, didn't, you, didn't do, you didn't do anything good. You're too bad. I tell you the truth today, you will be with me in paradise. And then they both died. Isn't that unbelievable? Did you know a rededication from the cross doesn't mean much, does it? From here on out, I'm going to be a better husband, a better father. I tell you, from this point on in my life, things are going to, I'm turning things around. I'm going to change. He knew better than that. You see, the thing that makes Christianity different than everything else you're going to explore or think about is this. Christianity is not about D-O. It's about D-O-N-E. Christianity teaches that forgiven people go to heaven. And the way we get forgiven is to throw ourselves at the mercy of the only one who could pay the price for our sins. And that the way a person becomes a Christian is by doing exactly what the thief or the criminal on the cross did. You know what he did? He recognized his need and he recognized who Jesus was. He says, remember me because some, I need someone to remember me. When you come into your kingdom, because I believe you are the king. And if there's any hope for me, it is certainly not my deeds because my deeds put me here. If there's any hope for me, it's you, the king. And Jesus said, that's all I'm looking for your forgiven, your in. Now, can you tell me what could be more merciful and unjust biased toward us than that? You see, yeah, there's some difficult things about believing in Christianity. We're going to talk about them. We've talked about some of them in the past. But I'm telling you, Christianity is the most just, fair system possible in an unjust, unfair world. Let me summarize it in three statements. Here it is. You ready? How can it be more just or fair than this? Everybody is welcome. Romans 10.13 says, Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everybody's welcome. Get this. Everybody gets in the same way. Jesus said, I am the way. Everybody's welcome. Everybody gets in the same way. And get this. Everybody can meet the requirement. Can you think of anything more fair, more clear, more just than that? Everybody's welcome. Everybody gets in the same way. And everybody can meet the requirement. The requirement is this. This is what John 3.16 says. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever really tries hard, that whoever keeps the Ten Commandments, whoever believes in Him shall have eternal life. See, everybody's welcome. Everybody gets in the same way. Everybody can meet the requirement.
Becoming a Christian, and this is unique, becoming a Christian is about putting all of our trust in Christ's death on the cross as the payment for our sin. It's not about what I do. It's about trusting in or placing my weight upon what He has already done. Christianity doesn't teach that good people go to heaven. Christianity teaches that forgiven people go to heaven. And forgiveness is found in placing our trust on the one who died on our behalf. The only perfect one to live. Who was the only one worthy of paying the price for our sins. Now let me ask you a question. We're done. Has there ever been a time in your life as an adult, and by adult I mean do you remember a time, that you've made a conscious decision to quit trusting all the promises you've made and all the things you have and haven't done? Has there ever been a time in your life when you remember saying, God, I understand that I don't need a second chance. I need a Savior. I don't need to try harder. I need a Savior. That you, have you ever been a time in your life when you, like the thief, said, I need a Savior. I'm putting my faith in Jesus as my Savior. And if not, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that again today, like we did at the close of last week's service. I'm going to give some of you an opportunity for the first time to say, you know what, I've heard that all my life, and I've sort of believed it intellectually, but I want to make it personal. I want to put all my personal faith in Christ for my personal sin. For some of you, I'm going to give you a chance to say, you know what, I've been sort of doing the, yeah, Jesus, and yeah, me. And, you know, if Jesus isn't enough, you know, I have done some good things. If my good things aren't enough, I do have Jesus. And you've never made a solid decision that if I were to stand before God, I'm not going to tell him about me. I'm going to say all of my faith, all of my hope is in what Christ has done for me at Calvary. And if you've never done that, I want to give you a chance to do that this morning right where you sit. And I'm going to pray a prayer and you can pray this prayer after me or you can use your own words. Listen, praying a prayer will not make you a Christian. Trusting in Christ will make you a Christian. Because Christianity is not about being good. It's about being forgiven. 